Ari, I am so thrilled to have you on. Thank you so much for making time and for coming on the show. Hey, thanks, Dan. Great to be here. So where I always want to start is if you can give a quick sketch of your background and kind of the impossible frame for this is, you know, what is the 60-second version of your story? 60-second, 90-second version. <laughs> um, I, I can try. Um, yeah, my name is Ari Tulla. I'm from uh, from Finland, originally been living in the Bay Area for about 15 years. Um, I, I was an aspiring athlete my youth. I spent uh, half my time playing hockey, other half, I, I played with computers and games and stuff like that. And in the end, I never became a hockey player. I, I became an entrepreneur. So the, the latter one won in the end. And I think that's a good thing uh, on hindsight now when thinking about my life uh, uh, backward and then forward. Uh, much nice to be an uh, ongoing entrepreneur than ex-hockey player. <laughs> Nothing wrong <laughs> with them, but you know, often many, many of them need to reinvent themselves. And, and I spent the first part of my my career in in around uh, tech and, and and apps and games, mobile games mainly. And then the last last twelve years I've been spending in healthcare. And um, I was sucked into healthcare because um, personal reasons, like many many people do. I was never a doctor or nurse or scientist, but uh, but I wanted to really focus my my next thirty years in healthcare because of family family history and drama we had. Yeah. I think the people I know that are building the most interesting stuff in healthcare do not have a traditional medicine background, which <laughs> probably tells, tells you a lot about what they're building and how they're building it. Um, you know, you're the co-founder and, uh, and CEO of Elo. How do you describe what you're building to, to either friends, family, people that ask? And, you know, how do you think about what will be different if you're wildly successful in building this company? I think uh, the, the best way to kind of think about um, uh, company description is that what would you, what can you say that your mom would be proud? We always underestimate the mom proud aspect or the me- measurement. That should be the key KPI in the end for a lot of things <laughs> who are building things in the world. Because if your mom is proud about you, I mean, nothing else really matters. That's the, that's the key KPI, uh, OKR, whatever. So Elo is um, uh, trying to turn food into medicine. And uh, today, as we know, Many of the chronic conditions, a lot of the healthcare costs we have, many of the early deaths we have today in our society are because of uh, lifestyle and uh, nutrition. So we are really trying to make that that thing that Hippocrates spoke uh, 2,000 years ago to be real. And, you know, how do you think about, I guess, just let's fast forward 10 years into the future, you've been wildly successful. What is different about the world or what's different about the way people maybe approach health in their own lives? Yeah, so I, I think we have um, this silence today where we spend almost all the money today in healthcare, uh, almost 4.5 trillion in the US, uh, $4,500 billion on management of chronic conditions and sick care. And uh, you might have seen a documentary with the name, but you know, really the idea that we only help people when they get sick. We spend about 2.5, 2.6% on preventative care. And that preventive care is not really spent on helping people, you know, live a better lifestyle. It is spent on mammographies and colonoscopies and vaccinations. So those are really hugely important factors. But we spend almost no money today on educating people. So if ELO becomes real, I think we will have a, and not, not, not just ELO, we call this smart nutrition as a, as a broad term. If this smart nutrition concept becomes real, and food as medicine becomes real as it's already happening slowly, we will spend maybe, you know, 20% of the healthcare spend 
in good nutrition by subsidizing people who are sick. Today, we spend it all in medications and medical devices and treatments. But what if we would spend it on, on nutrition and lifestyle changes and coaching that could actually prevent people getting sick in the first place? I think every dollar spent on the smart nutrition, the lifestyle change will yield back $4 at the back of the envelope on saving costs in healthcare. That's the only way, in my opinion, to lower the cost of healthcare and get better outcomes and make, you know, many of us live longer, maybe even 10 years longer or more. Yeah. Well, and, and hopefully help some of the things that I'm sure are contributing, like obesity, lack of, you know, movement and exercise, just kind of all of the chronic conditions that are seem like they're, they cluster around that. Um, you know, you have a, a fascinating background. Somehow you managed to start out leading the creation of video games and then <laughs> made a, a graceful shift into being a, you know, serial uh, founder. You're also the CEO of a company called Quest Analytics. One of the questions I wanted to ask you is, you know, it, it, it's kind of your journey as a founder. And I would include, you know, being the CEO of Quest Analytics, although I imagine it was, you know, it's different being, you know, coming in as a CEO as opposed to being a founder. What are the biggest lessons you've learned and how do you approach being a founder differently today than you maybe did back with Better Doctor, your first company? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I've been talking about this topic a lot and I, I, I help a lot of, you know, people who are, who are thinking of becoming a founder or who want to become entrepreneurs or, or build their own thing. And uh, for me, I mean, they always ask me like, you know, how did I leave from, I was at Nokia in a big corporation running a, you know, small, small thing in a big puddle. And um, I always tell people that, I mean, it, that was not the thing I did. I mean, I, when I was 19, I ended up working in a startup as first employee. We were building websites in, in late 90s. That was the first time I saw my peers, you know, people who were like, you know, 21, 20 and 19 who started a company. We knew nothing about anything. I mean, that was the time websites were kind of invented. Nobody had a website. I mean, like companies had no websites and nobody even knew what the, what the dot, dot, dot is really that time. So anyway, like we were building this company and I was helping these guys and I realized that they are no different than me. They were my roommates, so they, they really were no different than me. And maybe I was smarter than many of them. And, and it, it made me realize that it's not up to, you know, you don't need to have a pedigree or, or certain license to run if you want to build the company. You just need to have momentum and will. That's the only thing you need. And later, you know, I spent a, a decade in big companies building businesses from ground up. And in many ways, that was more difficult to do than to build your own company because you had to get uh, 15 people to say yes at the same time and turn the key. And any person in a you know, chain of command of 50 people could say no. And um, I was able to raise money in those environments. And then when I did my first startup, uh, Better Doctor, it actually felt almost easy or easier in a way because you can go to the VCs and you can tell your story. It's up to you, not up to the 15, 20 other people who can say no, that you don't really know that well. You don't need to lobby them politically. You can do your own thing and be, be you know, your own person. So that to me is the key that, you know, you, you just need to start and you just need to be brave. And, uh, and you just need to put the foot forward every day. But of course, you, you, so you don't want to be silly. You don't want to, like today, we are entering recession. We are entering first time in 15 years in the world and economy and a top market where you might not be able to get the top next day if you, if you want to do it. So you know, don't leave today and you know, with double mortgage, <laughs> but you know, be a bit sensible. But it's all about just you know, making a decision and then moving the foot forward one after the other. 
kind of related to that, you know, one of the things I'm always curious is, and this may be somewhat, you know, hard, maybe there's not something here for you. But, um, you know, when you think back to kind of your experience of Better Doctor as a founder. And what I'm really kind of thinking of there is like your decision of what to prioritize, what was most important, where you should be investing your time, energy, and effort. As you kind of think about that, knowing it's a completely different company, but maybe comparing that to Elo, what are the biggest deltas? Meaning where are you spending less time today and more time today? Kind of how have you recalibrated and how are you, re, you know, approaching your role as a founder differently just through, through the gift of time and experience? Yeah, and I think your point about, you know, mentioning about the fact that I was, uh, I spent almost two years as a CEO of a bigger company and, um, you know, earlier being kind of this sort of a certain mid-management level person in the big companies where you kind of run your own thing with your own P&L. So I had that kind of, that business sense, you know, and, and um, but at Better Doctor, it was more about how do I learn a new industry? I came from uh, the tech. Uh, I really didn't know a lot about the ins and outs of the healthcare system. I didn't know how to make money in that type of company. And uh, I, I'm from Finland. You know, I lived in, in Europe most of my life. Um, so I didn't even, I wasn't, you know, accustomed to the U.S. healthcare system as a, as a, as a kid. I, I just had been a user of it, super user of it. So for me, I think that was really difficult in the beginning. Like, how do I become a credible pe- person? to talk about a topic like healthcare that I really knew not much about on a fundamental level. And, and now I, I think the same applied now in the ELO because now I'm moving from the healthcare again to another, another real that is nutrition and, and um, wellness in a way. I didn't know a whole lot about it on a fundamental level. Now I need to read. I have 20, 30 books on myself that I read in the last two years that are about the human biology. Like how do I understand how the human body works? I mean, I'm talking to scientists, I'm talking to doctors on a daily basis. I can't do that if I don't understand enough. So that was, I think, the, the, in both cases. And every time you move from one industry to another, you really have to learn the lingo. You have to be credible. And you can't just, you know, invent as you go. That's been, I think, the one of the biggest areas of time uh, consumption I have. But really, you're building a company. If you think about it, like you, you build a company in space of finding doctors or uh, building enterprise tools to healthcare systems, or you build a, a tool for people to you know have better nutrition. I mean, in the end, the, the business is so similar. And um, and and in my case, what's kind of unique is that at Nokia, when we we're building you know the first smartphones or we we're building the first games on on these devices we called mobile computers back in the days before iPhone and Android. Um, my my counterpart that I I met for lunch almost daily and and you know we talked about business weekly was uh, Tapia Tolvanen and my my current co-founder for Better Doctor my co-pilot at Quest and my my co-founder at Elo as well so I've been with this one person for 15 years and he is the the person who knows tech who is one of the best developers still today I ever met in my life who was a chief architect at Nokia building new smartphone platform and an operating system ground up pretty unique thing not many people have done that there are a few people so that person kind of has been my rock in a way that we we talk daily about how to run companies and then in the end we've been having the same people follow us now in a fourth company there are some people who have now helped us for almost 20 years so you kind of have these people that you know they they kind of grow with you and and you trust them and they know business, they understand how to build things. But then, you know, in what domain you build, it's really not that different in the end. And building a company, you need money, 
you need direction and a vision and you need good people. That's, I think, all you need to have. The rest is really day to day and planning. Yeah, I love how clean that perspective is. Um, you know, you brought up all of the research you've done over the last, it sounds like two years of kind of reading 20 to 30 books. One of the questions I always like to ask founders about is if they have favorite books. And so I guess the questions that I would ask you is, you know, thinking back on those 20 to 30 books, is there maybe one or two that you just felt were incredible that you would recommend to people that also want to, you know, know more about the body or, or how kind of, you know, the body and health and nutrition works. And related to that, is there anything that you found helpful as a founder or any other books that you would share with people listening? Well, I think, you know, I think the first thing that is is important, and we, this is not, of course, you know, news to anyone here, I think, but, uh, but you know, you're looking at this world we go today where we are glued to the smartphone day by day. We are, I think the data now says that, you know, half the people in the U.S. are getting the news from TikTok. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing a bit because you know that's that's pretty crazy and wild in yeah. a way. And um, I'm I'm uh, and I brought it up myself in a way that I was on the on a book all day every day, and um, I couldn't be happier um, than I'm today when I look at my son who's eight. Uh, he woke up this morning six in the morning. Uh, I woke up you know a bit after. I waltz into the living room slow, silently, and he is reading a book there uh clothes on already and i'm like high-fiving him that's like that's awesome because you know he he clearly found the love of reading early on and i had the same thing myself and not everybody has that and with love of reading you you built a certain type of brain a brain that is able to suck information learn think about things independently with the with the tiktok i don't think you're gonna get that so for me i mean it's key about like what what do I do all all day long every day? I try to find some time in my day to to read and and get better. If you don't spend the time to get better every day, you will kind of stagnate and you can't leave and upgrade yourself. So there are a ton of books, of course, about business and uh, and nutrition that you know I, I I've been giving out to a lot of people. But you know there are some old books and business like, you know, Good to Create, you know, by, by Collins, really, really great book that, you know, there are certain, you know, manuals of uh, startups like, you know, the Lean Startup, I mean, still is relevant today, I think, Eric Ries. And, uh, and there are really, really good books for the need. Like, think about sometimes that, you know, you want to do something in a business, get the book that helps you. I can't remember the name of the person who wrote the book, but there's a book about how to sell a company. Um, I mean, I, I've been involved now selling a few companies and, you know, you t- take the book every time and you're like, this is awesome. There's another book about how to, how to uh, structure a term seed. I just closed the financing round and I took the book again. I read five times, six times. And every time you're like, it's awesome. Like, you spend three hours, you are like back on track. Like, what is this patterned up term you need to de- design and define with lawyers? <laughs> Helps uh, tremendously. And then I think on the nutrition side, there are so many... So many different theses, so many different diets. Uh, but I don't know if there's like a one thing, but, you know, the only person that I recommend to everybody to start with is uh, Eric Pollan. Um, oh, sorry, Michael Pollan. And, and his book, uh, uh, books that are about, you know, how to eat, how not to eat. Uh, like Carnivore's Dilemma, I think, is a really good one. Uh, he is very, very, very good at telling you a simple story uh, about a very complicated topic that, you know, People go to war because of food. I mean, it's a really tough topic to to learn about. 
Yeah, especially today. I feel like everyone has their own, you know, perspective. And, you know, I think that's one of the, in, in many ways, that's one of the incredible things about today is it's somewhat of a choose your own adventure and everyone can kind of follow what feels good to them, what makes them feel great. Um, but it, so, okay, I'll definitely link to good, great Mark Pollan and a handful of those books. And I'll try to follow up with you afterwards and see if I can get a name to that how, how to sell a company book because it sounds I can, interesting. I can and I bet, and I bet a lot of people would be interested in it. Um, I want to kind of switch tracks and ask a different question, which is founders have very limited amount of time, almost an infinite number of ways that they can, that they can spend it in a given day or kind of invest it in a given day. Do you have an approach to productivity and performance? And, and really, I think what I'm asking for there is how do you think about how to allocate your time and prioritize your work? I have done a lot of different um, optimize, optimize hacks and, uh, you know, all these things that, you know, you read about in blogs. And I tried many of them and uh, very few stuck in the end. So what I, what I think is that you have to find a balance because building a company or doing anything meaningful in life, like learning a new language or learning a new sport or excelling on anything, it will take the 10,000 to 100,000 hours. So if, if you don't like it every day, if you make it too tough for yourself, you're not going to end up doing it for that long. So there has to be the balance first. And balance in my life means that, you know, I always prioritize sleep. I prioritize, you know, physical activity. That happens to me, my drug. I mean, not everybody has that, but that's my drug for my, all my life. And then I always focus on one thing that, comes every day. Like my, my screensaver here says, what's the most important thing right now? And trying to live in a moment that, you know, like as a CEO now of a company, we have, we have 30 people only today. So what can I do right now to unblock my team to do the best work they can do? Not worry about myself. I mean, I can do my work at, you know, some other hour, but you know, how, what I do right now to unblock the others and make them happy and productive and moving forward. That's the most important thing for me on a daily basis. And, and then another thing that I did a few years ago that I think is a really good um, idea, and I think many people would greatly benefit if they would do something similar. So I picked the, the Wednesday as a day that I don't have any meetings. Wednesday is blocked completely off from my calendar for the company calendar. Nobody can book Wednesday. That's been the case for many years already, and, and people know it now. Um, I, I rarely even get you know, notes to you know try to meet somebody. Nobody is calling me on Wednesday. I spent the morning on Wednesday. I when my kids were a bit younger, uh, they were not in school. I spent it with the kids, so with my son first, and with my daughter. I went hiking or do, doing something you know with the, with my my kids uh, for four four five hours, and then the afternoon I, I was reading and, and working and writing. And uh, now as the kids are in school, um, I realized that time is mainly mine. So today I go, I go surfing or, you know, long bike rides or do something like that. And that's when you get the best ideas. That's when you become most productive. And um, it breaks the week nicely. I do work on Sunday or most Sundays, half a day. I really work on Saturdays. But, you know, I, I work a lot of hours. But that one day has been a really, really great hack that has kept me sane at least on some level. Yeah. Related to that, you know, do you have any practices around reflection? And, and I think, you know, what I'm kind of asking there is there's clearly the the kind of always on act of what you're doing of saying, what's the most important use of my time right now? And then, you know, this act of kind of making sure that there's a day a week where you have some breathing space to be able to learn, to be able to spend this in other areas feels like related to that. And something I just think is very underdiscussed under discussed generally is just time for reflection. And, you know, some people just, they, they, you know, there's, they don't have an intentional reflection process, but it's something that's always going on in their mind. 
Do you have anything that you do around reflection? Does that show up in any way in your life or work? Yeah, it's a really, it's a, one of those things again that, you know, I, I don't know why, but um, maybe it's just my type of um, brain. Uh, but I've been trying to also meditate for, for, I don't know, 15, 20 years. And uh, I never really gotten into a meditation practice that sticks with me. And then, you know, we were working with uh, uh, one uh, guru who's a uh, pretty well-known guru in India who moved to Bay Area. And, and uh, he became a friend. And, and he was telling me that um, you don't need to have a meditation practice as somebody defined it to be. You can have your own practice. And then he taught me to realize that I have had a meditation practice for 30 years every night when I go to sleep. So every night I go to sleep, I'm actually uh, rock climbing or, or, or bouldering the last problem I had. And that's the way I fall asleep every night for 30 years. And he explained to me that that is exactly what meditation is about. But I never really realized it. And then I've been kind of being happy about the fact that I don't need to sit in the morning uh, 25 minutes in silence because, you know, I have the kids and everything. It's like, it's like bombardment. <laughs> and if you live in the West Coast, you know, you have the last time zone. So the morning is the busiest time. So that finding was really key for me. Reflection, same thing. I think my wife, you know, sees uh, sorrowing every night. I've uh, been trying to do that for a long time. It never stuck with me. And again, I found my own practice that is a bit different. I, I don't do it every day. I do it on a weekly basis. I clean up stuff on Sundays. And it's just a better way for me to do it. But I, I think the point here is that you can you can read a blog post, you can read about people that you know you kind of admire, you look up to, and they might have these systems that they built, but some of them might not be right for you. So pick what you what fits for your life. And I've been trying too many things that did, didn't feel right for too long. And I was miserable because I was like, I was adding mental burden. It wasn't clearing anything up. So now I try to think about every time I pick a new thing, what else has to go? And I think this is a long story, but then the last point on this, my, my wife, um, um, she had a corporate career for a long time and she became uh, a economy consultant in the last few years. And she's helping people to get rid of their stuff and, you know, only own the possessions that they love. But you can also kind of think about the Konamari method into your uh, files on a computer or your calendar or on your life, like how much burden you put yourself in. Uh, the less you have, the more you are in a way. Mm -hmm. I love all of those points. You know, I want to, I guess, ask maybe one follow-up question on the guru because it sounds very interesting. Am I kind of getting it right that basically his point was just, I think, getting you to recognize that you actually have a contemplative practice and it's just something that you do kind of very simply in your own mind at night before you go to sleep. Is that the point is just to try to find the contemplative quiet moment practices in your own life and kind of maybe consider that your own meditation? Am I understanding that right? Well, I think the, the whole meditation idea is, you know, it's a really big uh, concept. And I think we all, all who have tried and all who believe in it, I think we all believe uh, firmly that it, it can be the one of the most impactful things in your life. It can really change the way how you behave. Now, I think what we are hearing about is that psychedelics, you know, are likely going to be the, the big frontier that uh, may help people to get there faster. Again, I don't know if that's, that's a good or bad, but, you know, we tend to be yeah. very, give it to me now society. Yes. And I think the, the psychedelics might be able to do that really, really well. Um, I, I, 
that's a topic today and let's not go to the deep, but you know, I'm really curious about you know when that will happen, how it will happen. But for me, it really was about that I had a practice that gave me the same benefit as I would get if I do a 15-minute you know, meditation and, and try to really block that time every morning, for example. And uh, I mean, how do I behave? Uh, what type of person I am? I'm, I'm pretty calm and collected in most times. So I already kind of had gotten some of the benefit that I didn't realize. I was thinking I need to add another thing, another layer in my life to get there. And I might have already been there. That makes sense. That's super helpful. Okay, last question. Um, ask this of every guest. If you could go back in time to your childhood or to the start of your career, is there anything that you tell your younger self that you could carry forward in time? Whether that's advice, a reminder, words of wisdom, anything. Well, somebody asked me this uh, some time ago, and I mean, this was maybe a year ago. And uh, I was, um, I had been in Finland with with, uh, with my parents' place, and um, and my mom had found a letter that I wrote uh, when I was 18 at the graduating high school type of letter. And um, it said that open, you know, a year later or something. And now I open, oh, she had opened it like, you know, 25 years later. And I read it first time in 25 years. And, you know, it basically described what I wanted to be, what I wanted to do. And um, I was like, wow, I mean, that's pretty smart. I mean, but the funny thing was that I had done all of the things I wanted to do. Hmm. And I was like, 40, 43. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And that made me feel pretty awesome that, you know, I wanted to, you know, see the world. I wanted to build something unique that is mine. I wanted to find, you know, a, a family and build a family. I wanted to live in different places that I can. I mean, I had done all those things. And it hit me in a way that, you know, um, I was pretty smart already as a, as a kid in a way what I wanted. But now it's up to for me, up for me to really think about what are the next, what is next mountain? Where do I want to go next? Like, what more can I do? And, and then I think it becomes a lot more about, you know, um, being patient, not, not being so hurried up every day, trying to live really long, good life, uh, being healthy, and also giving to people and, and helping other people to get where, where I might have gotten. Or not, not just, you know, like, I don't, I'm not looking at this in a way that there's a milestone you have to get to. It's not like amount of money or success or fame or anything, but it's more like, Getting to a place where you feel content on most days and you are grounded and you can live in a moment. Those are really the key points that, you know, I think are important now that I did not know uh, before. Yeah, I'm guessing those didn't show up on that letter to yourself. I don't think (laughs) think anyone when a teenager writes those things down on a piece of paper. Um, Well, it's a perfect note to end on. Thank you so much for coming on, Ari. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you.